This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cleanse them. Cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin. Bathe them in the crimson of... Am I on speakerphone? No, absolutely not. Speakerphone, no. No, I wouldn't do that. Yes, I am. I can hear the echo. Oh, my God. You're right. Hang on one second. I'll take you off. That's rude. I don't know who's in the room. Fine. There. You're off. Thank you. Don't take this lightly, boy. It wasn't all by your numbers. The fool nearly derailed the invocation with his insolence. The ancient ones see everything, and they will not be... I'm still on speakerphone, aren't I? <laughs> oh my god, Lord god! I can't believe it, <laughs> Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Welcome to another episode of Syndicate. Today we are celebrating Halloween during this Halloween season and returning are the Grindhouse Girls. So Katie, Brittany, welcome back to Syndicate. Thank you so much for coming back. Thank Thank you for for having having us. us. Oh, that was really creepy. It's like we could be in the movie. Come play with us. Come play with us, Syndicate listeners. Forever and ever. Sorry. So Getting ce- into references. Yes. So to celebrate Halloween, we watched The Cabin in the Woods. So Ooh. before we get into the plots, before we get into the movie proper, so I want to ask, how did you first discover Cabin in the Woods? Well, it came out 
when we were in college, mm-hmm. I want to say. Yeah. So I know I saw it, and as a horror fan, I was like, I have to see that movie. <laughs> also, I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and a lot of Joss Whedon stuff. So I was like, his name was attached, and I was like, well, I know I'll like the quippy dialogue. So definitely the whole Cabin in the Woods, Evil Dead meets everything else seemed really interesting. And I wanted to know what the hell the secret was. They were very good with marketing, I will say. Hooked me. What about you, Brett? Yeah, so I actually, so it did came out in 2012. And I want to say it was April 2012. So right before we graduated. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a habit of doing this anyway. I go see movies by myself in the theaters. And so I was like, it's a horror movie. I'm going to go see it. And so I saw it. Absolutely loved it. It was like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And so the next week I went back and dragged a friend with me to see it. Um, so yeah, but I didn't even, um, I knew who Josh Whedon was, but I wasn't even, I didn't like grow up with Buffy like Katie did or a lot of my friends did. So I just went and saw it because there was a word of mouth. This was a cool movie yeah. and it was unlike anything anyone's ever seen at that point. Well, I will admit I didn't watch Buffy when it was on air, but mm-hmm. I was doing research for a show I was in called Title of Show and my big song was called Die Vampire Die and I made a chair. And I made my own Buffy the Vampire Slayer logo with Susan, my character's name on it. And so I was like, I guess I should actually watch Buffy. That's good research (laughs) for a vampire song. And then I got hooked. And then I haven't watched the last three episodes because I know that like rapid fire, a bunch of beloved characters get killed off. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with that. I'm going to pretend they're still alive in my delusional head, um, even though they're fictional characters, which is ironic because Joss Whedon wanted to top that with this movie with the kill count really yeah. won't spoil who yes he he has a uh what would we say a penchant for um killing off beloved characters i think he he oh he killed off a bunch of people in firefly too firefly there's one very specific death and i will not say who it is just to not spoil it but it really hurts a lot of people's souls um uh luckily the actor is still very much a very popular actor and he still gets or she gets jobs. Um, so Nathan Fillion. But he, I will not. I will not Alan confirm Tudyk. or deny who it is. I mean, there are many actors that were on Firefly that still have uh, a lot of very successful jobs. Yes, I will, yes, they do. I will say this real quick uh, as a non-spoiler. But could <laughs> any any kill count count top this movie's kill count? I don't think so. Because. Like- <laughs> It's not spoiling the end yet, but um, the mean, kill count is the kill count to kill all kill counts. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. Earthly kill counts. Mm-hmm. We'll put it that way. Very You nice. know what else is funny? I will say, so this movie came out in like April 2012, and then literally the next month, The Avengers came out, and Josh yes. Whedon directed that. Also, hilarious. filmed in 2009 before mm-hmm. Chris Hemsworth was known as Thor, but yeah. released after all the Thor and Avenger movies. So apparently, so yeah. uh, after the Thor movie, yeah, I think and, Avengers yeah. Is after this one. Mm-hmm. The the first Avengers came out one month after this was released, and funny yeah. enough, looking at trivia, he also did read the um, remake of Red Dawn, mm-hmm. and that was also filmed in two thousand nine. And they cast him because of this movie because yeah. they liked how he gave orders to his fellow people. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth. This movie made his career. Underground made his career. Honestly, so I have to ask, how did you discover this movie? See, how I discovered this movie was similar to YouTube because, like, I'm a fan of horror movies, and when it came out, which was like 2012, you know, I I already had uh, 
horror movie fatigue at that point because like i grew up watching a whole bunch of slasher films from the 1980s which we're going to get into in a little bit and mm-hmm. this film uh came about after a whole bunch of in my opinion not very good horror movies of the time and oh like, yeah i was like man these aren't good like i know what hor- i was a, a bit of a snob when it comes to horror movies so like when this okay. came out i knew it came out and i heard it got you know some buzz but like, it flew under my radar and I didn't. I didn't watch it at all. Um, I passed on it, and to this day, I mean, like almost ten years later, like I was like, you know what? I want to watch this movie. I have always wanted to watch this movie, and I avoided all the spoilers with the movie because I was like, let me just save this. I want to watch it, and I finally watched it, and I was completely blown away, like watching this movie. So, like, you two have seen this movie long time ago. So, how was Mm -hmm. it like revisiting this movie ten years later? Um, I will say one funny thing was one of the villains in the movie, um, Britt ironically gave me a a painting by a local artist that's sitting in the back of my office right now, um, of I'm just gonna call it the sugar pump fairy. Um <laughs> that I we didn't realize was from this movie until we rewatched the movie and then we both went, Oh, oh we just thought it was cute. The ballerina with a lamprey face. We were just like, Oh, how cute. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. I think Britt said it was pink, but also scary. So it made me think of you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but um, I will say, like, I get more why they made this movie when this made, they made this movie because there was horror movie fatigue at this point in time. Like, the horror yeah. movies coming out when we were in college. I remember I went on a first date with my boyfriend in college, and there were no good movies out. We ended up seeing this terrible movie called Sorority Row because I was like, uh, I if we can't one. see a good Oh, it's awful. It's awful, <laughs> but Carrie Fisher's in it, yes. and she's hilarious. Yes. Um, but I was like, if we can't see a good movie, let's see the worst movie in the theaters. <laughs> and it was entertaining, but it's terrible. Um, but it was just a lot of fatigue. It was a lot of um, similar stuff. And I don't think, I mean... A lot of jump scary type stuff. Lots of jump. There's lots of paranormal activity. Yeah, uh, paranormal. torture porn. Torture porn too, oh, which yeah. is something I hate. Yeah. It's like Saw which Seven, like. paranormal activity. Yeah. eight and Hostel. Hostel. Hostel uh, yeah. yeah. Eli Roth. I hate Hostel. Mm-hmm. I met I Eli mean, Roth, by the way. But you go have, on. Yes. Is he as pretentious in real life as he seems uh, on interviews? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's he. Okay. I think he has a love of horror. And a love of an obsessive love of the drama, but yes. all of his movies are just there's just an air of just rubs me the wrong way. Like creepy guy at the frat who just thinks he knows horror better than you and then like Joss Whedon. tells you about something. Like Joss Whedon, yes. <laughs> exactly. Which Joss Whedon has some skeletons in his closet <laughs> now, apparently. Which uh, yes. I don't know if we want to get into that, but that's that soured the watch a little bit, knowing oh. that stuff. And see, I I so I have this kind of mental thing that I do where I try to take like I for me I was like I'm gonna take Josh Whedon out of the equation, focus on Drew Goddard because this was his director. Yes, I personally I feel this movie holds up so well, and the reason mm-hmm. I think it does is because they did a very smart thing and they avoided all pop culture references that it's, they could have yeah. made at the time. And they stood a, they stayed away from a lot of horror movie tropes that were going on at that time, and they stuck to. Classic. This very simplistic classic kind yeah. of slasher. Very yep. it's yeah. Cabin in the Woods movie. Evil, yeah, Dead. Evil Dead. Even Friday yeah. the 13th a little bit mm-hmm. with like the 
never re- yeah. ever relenting killers things like that so that's the thing i thought it aged incredibly well and the only thing that in retrospect i think kind of aged it a little bit is the scene we see her walking over to the wolf and it's it it kind of pans in on her flat so i was like oh god those shoes are uncomfortable <laughs> i remember when those shoes were popular like, <laughs> the, the fashion was very that time period yeah the exactly. shorts with the shirt and then you have the cami underneath it that was <laughs> high school and college for me yeah, I was like, oh, and like the button-up shirt, and I was just like, yep, that was me, yeah. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but but I will say the movie is still entertaining. Yeah, and age well. I don't think it's not as Joss Whedon centric as I think it. People wanted they advertised it to be. I think right. Drew Goddard has a much bigger hold of it, and they came up with this whole concept while they were both working on Buffy for the. I think it's the final season. It was the only season Drew Goddard. Um, wrote for but apparently the Buffy fanatics just online like made up whole websites just to like praise him and forward his career because they just liked his writing style so much for Buffy and they made t-shirts and stuff and this was guys this was early 2000s so that was a lot to make a website back then it wasn't like Squarespace I think they kept talking I think they kept talking about Whedon when promoting this movie because he was the name. Like yeah. Drew had wrote Cloverfield, but other than that, if there wasn't, he didn't have much of a name as yeah. at that time. But Josh did. But when you look into the script, there's definitely more of Drew in the script. It feels like yeah. The thing that's Joss Whedon specific is like the quippy dialogue. Yeah, and right. killing off a lot of people. Yes, but <laughs> so which, I don't. Oh, wait, go ahead. Are no, we getting no, into go Joss? On, go on. I was going to say, I will say, I have a love-hate relationship with Joss Whedon because he did forward a lot of, like, female characters and LGBTQ plus characters in popular culture. Like, Buffy had, like, the first lesbian couple on screen that were, like, functional and great, other than, like, that was mainstream. Uh-huh. Like, they had, like, the L word and stuff and, like, queer as folk, but they didn't really have like oh here's just a mainstream gay couple of course they did spoilers for buffy it's a 25 year old show but they do kill off one of them very tragically which is kind of a trope yeah um because for some reason every time there's a lesbian couple that's happy in mainstream television in the early 2000s they're like let's kill one of them that's fun it's not it's very bad but they're getting away from that yeah but he did forward a lot of that and seemed very pro good things however apparently behind the scenes allegedly according to a lot of people who worked on buffy and um justice league when he took over for Zack snyder he's casually cruel and he thinks it's funny to be mean and he apparently liked to make female writers cry in the writer's room yeah and isn't the funnest person to be around i was about to say so incidentally when i was researching this i came across an interview with Joss and uh he actually said and because this was the first movie he ever served as a producer like mm-hmm. he was a co-writer but he's also the producer mm-hmm. and they're like how is it producing your first film and he's like I think a lot of heartache could have been saved if I was just meaner and I was like oh oh I don't think that aged well at yeah. all no. which yeah yeah it's a so. it's a tough pill to swallow because mm-hmm. I think pop culture the in the horror genre horror television would not be as mainstream without him forwarding it with the right. science fiction with like Firefly. He came up with some great characters. He let people be people and he made them 
funny, but I just, yeah, apparently he's not fun to work with, supposedly. And I don't know, he's not fully blacklisted, but he also has a weird relationship with a lot of men who have now been accused of being mm. sexually inappropriate. Um, Sorry, I'm not trying to get too, like, anything, but, like, apparently, I like David Boreanaz, but apparently there's some rumors about him, but not, like, not really bad, just, like, inappropriate. That makes me sad. But Nicholas Brennan, who played Xander on Buffy, uh-huh. has been accused of grooming, allegedly. And also, uh, oh, and they were going to get the Jeepers Creepers guy to direct this yeah, movie Yeah, Victor Salva. Oh, and he's a convicted ooh. child predator. And this is so, the thing. Like, don't watch Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. It's what's Victor kept me Salva. from watching it. I don't okay. want to give him money. So, hand oh race here. So I, oh, and so, he was arrested in 88, by yeah. the way. So, yeah. And I, then committed another felony in 95. So and I then he directed Jeepers, Jeepers Creepers. Creepers. Yes, 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 and yes. part two, and Both part of two. Them. So sorry, I'm so sorry, no. y'all. Like, yeah, I got to tell me, Joyride is made by a child predator as well. Which one? You don't remember Joyride with Ashley Joy Kutcher? Ride. Um, that was one that like looked really silly to me, and I avoided. Thank God, because. Well, now I am never going to watch it. No, it's, you know. <laughs> well, see, I've watched Clown House, which was like one of his first films oh, when I yeah. was a kid. And it was literally one of the child actors from Clown House. Yes, that he, in 95, yeah. that he molested. He had already gone to jail in 88. And then they rehired him after he got out of jail. We are yeah. off so, the rails and it's only 10 so minutes. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Drew Goddard has no uh, allegations against yes. him to oh. my knowledge. And let's sing his praisers. Yes. Because Drew <laughs> is also an Academy Award nominated screenwriter at this yeah. point. So, I mean, come on. You can put the Cabin in the Woods and put Academy Award nominated. Exactly. And there's actually another Academy Award nominee. A father-son team. The special effects team. The... Alexander's? I think so. I believe so. Lance and David Leroy. And uh, David is actually married to Heather Langenkamp from Nightmare on Elm Street. They own a special effects studio and the, the father and son who began it, um, they got nominated for Cinderella Man for an Oscar. Wow. For special effects. So, also, Richard Jenkins who plays and Richard Jenkins has been nominated for two From Academy The Shape Wars. of Water. Yep. So there's a lot of, like, good stuff about this movie. Sorry if you got off the rails, but, <laughs> but like, I don't like giving money to people who do bad things. Yeah. So, like, if they're dead, watch their movies. Who cares? They're not getting any money. Like, if it's a good movie, you uh-huh. know what I mean? But if they're still alive and they're collecting those royalties, I'm like, ah. Eh. Like Woody Allen, I'm waiting for him to die to watch any more of his movies, but they're kind of <laughs> the same thing over and over again, right. just in a different setting. So I'm not really missing anything by, I saw Annie Hall. It was fine. It's good, good performances, but everything's, just, ugh, you know, but that's my yeah. little soapbox. Yes, I totally, I totally get it. Um, I mean, I think we're all in the same boats, but it sucks because, like, for for instance, like Harvey Weinstein. Then, then we could get back into the movie. Like Harvey Weinstein right, produced everything. like everything, and you're watching like, wow, yeah. this is a great movie. Credits yeah. produced by Harvey Weinstein. I'm like, uh, fuck. But he is in jail, so he's not. You know what I mean? Like, if they're in jail oh, and they're not reaping the benefits, I'm kind of like, why punish all the people involved? But when they're still making the money. I'm like, respectfully, no. Like, Rosemary's Baby, I watched before I knew about all the shit going Plansky. on with Ron Plansky. Yeah. And then, like, once I found out all the stuff that he's been accused of, I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait a few years and just let him pass away quietly before we review oh, it. Plansky, oh. that man. I know. Survived yeah. uh, Charles Manson and goes on to 
Uh, Blessed another child. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It's really depressing. You know, Hollywood is scary, and that's why yeah. they make such good horror movies. So, yes. I guess. Because of I monsters. Mean, yeah, real life monsters. <laughs> real I will life say monsters. one more thing with Weinstein and thinking of the Academy Awards. So, uh, Weinstein is second behind God and how many times he's been thanked at the Academy Awards, which is yeah. really scary when you think about how many actors, <laughs> so, and I producers, mean, are you and directors. Harvey no. Weinstein is the devil. Is he the devil? Is he the man downstairs? Yeah, is he, is he management downstairs? If you know he's what I'm saying? Second to God, I mean, is he that? Well, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but he might be. <laughs> I mean, he's the right. You know. Let's get back into the film. So, okay, so when I saw this for the first time, I was completely blown away because, like, just like with Joss Whedon. Uh, assuming he has a lot of knowledge about like 80s slasher films and like the big you mm-hmm. know craze in the 80s and that's where I cut my teeth with horror like growing up my friends and I uh, rented all of the slasher films Friday the 13th Halloween even some of the like lesser known ones from our blockbuster Hollywood video and we just absolutely loved it and we loved the formula and like this film embraces it so well. And not only that, like it embraces it and it also like turns it on its head and, and tells like an original story from there. Like what I love about this film is like, and we can get into it uh, fully once we get past the elevator pitch. But other than that, like um, it takes into the archetype, which is like the final girl, the jock, the nerd slash stoner token minority and then like the promiscuous girl and then the nice guy like it has all of the the character archetypes that are in slasher films right there front and center and i didn't really expect that going into it i was watching it and like in the first part i was like wait a minute that's the jock that's the virgin (laughs) that's the oh that's the nerd token minority (laughs) I did, you know, I didn't even think about the token minority thing yeah. at all because they just call him the scholar. Yeah, but right. like, he's that combined with the true. nice guy. They like molded yeah. into one person, which is pretty on par with horror movie tropes. It's like, yeah, but he doesn't die first, exactly. I, so you know, I also have to say I love the script is so clever, and one of my favorite things is so. All these characters are fully developed characters, except the mm-hmm. stoner. And then it flips it where they all kind of become the archetypes and he becomes the fully developed character. I will say, I feel like they should have developed uh, Holden a little bit more. Yeah. You know, like I like watching the second time. And that actor has gone on to be on like Grey's Anatomy. Jesse Williams. Like yeah. he is on every season of Grey's Anatomy after I stopped watching. But my mom still watches. So occasionally I watch an episode. He's been on there for like, years and was just on broadway nice there was a scandal where he and several other actors were fully naked on stage that wasn't the scandal the scandal was someone illegally taped it and was like showing everyone their private parts that they didn't okay they were taped they were naked on broadway yeah in front of a crowd baby this wasn't equus but like equus there's a lot of plays that have full Hair. Nudity. Yeah. hair originally had full frontal nudity. It's really unneeded in hair. It was just fun. Equus is more needed. And this one is about baseball. I think it's about gay baseball players. Oh. I believe so. Because Jesse Flea Ferguson from Modern Family is also in it. They know how to handle I, those bats and those balls. Yeah. And I guess it, I don't know why they were. I don't know the context because I haven't read this play yet. But um, I know that 
this actor was in it and I was like, but I just remember it coming up. I was like, oh, it's the modern family guy. And it's the guy from Grey's Anatomy. And I was like, what's this article about? And I was like, oh, that was really rude of them. Cause like, <laughs> it's okay to be naked, like in a production that's not being taped. Cause it's like, that's a singular moment between you and the audience. I mean, if you're okay with being naked, like I'm, I'm a little iffy on being totally nude on stage. I've had friends that have done it in very small theaters. And the, I'm more of like, I would prefer underwear on at least. And I've been in my underwear on stage, but ne never nude. Yeah. No, but also the Shelby County in Alabama, where Montevallo, where we went to school, it's illegal to be naked on stage. So it was kind of a nice little thing because it's like, ooh, it's super conservative. But also like, if you don't want to get naked on stage, you can still do all the weird plays you want to, but not actually have to get naked because they don't want to arrest you. But I think it's really disrespectful to tape somebody's nude scene that isn't supposed to be taped and then distribute it. It's kind of like leaking nudes, but it's like, I know they like agreed to it, but it's like a stage play is different than a film because you're not expecting it to be filmed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like it's different. It's like if you were, if you didn't know you were being filmed by your partner when you were having sex, it's like, I agreed to be naked in the moment. I did not agree to be naked on tape forever as well so it's pretty but anyways but you know he doesn't have to get naked in this movie so <laughs> no issue well, i mean unfortunately, he is a very attractive man so i guess i don't know you take that for what you want audience happy halloween so, happy halloween yeah so um i mean people are always going to be bootlegging stuff so yeah because uh, hopefully not your junk like that's a little rude yes uh <laughs> Back to Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> yeah. Again. <laughs> so many segues. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he had a nice, fruitful career other than Chris Hemsworth. Mm -hmm. And I was, <laughs> you know, I was surprised seeing him in this movie because, like, everyone else is kind of like, you know, no-name actors for the most part, especially at the time. And then you see Thor in the movie. And, of course, he's playing, like, the, the muscular uh, jock athletic character. Yeah. And it's like, ah, very cool. And this is clearly before Thor. <laughs> it changed yeah. his life forever. Now he's known as Thor. And, yeah. But like, shall we get into the movie proper? We danced upon the plot so many times. Yeah. I think it's I think it's time to get into it. Are you guys let's ready? Let's get into it. Let's, oh yeah. yeah. Let's do the elevator pitch. Alright, so I need you to tell the listeners all about Cabin in the Woods as if they've never seen it before. How would you pitch the movie to someone that has never seen this movie before? Okay, we're both going to go really quickly because mine's super short. Okay. Do you like Evil Dead? Do you like The Office? Do you like every horror movie ever imagined? Well, you're in luck because that's this movie. Go watch it. Right? <laughs> My friend, what if I told you there was a horror movie more meta than Scream? A movie that sets out to deconstruct the genre as we know it. A movie whose script purposely leaves out any pop culture references so it ages well and feels as fresh as when it was written, and it has likable characters. A movie, I believe, the only movie where you can see a werewolf, a zombie redneck thief, torture family, a unicorn, an angry molesting tree, a dragon bat, scarecrow folk, and a hell lord all together in one place in a one hour and 35 minute runtime. A film that contains a final act so amazing and so brutal that you won't know whether to scream or laugh. My friend, have you ever heard of The Cabin in the Woods? And there That we go. was amazing. You know what? I leave it. Oh, I knew this was going to be awesome because, like, 
I know you two cut your teeth on slasher <laughs> films. You are the Grindhouse <laughs> podcast. So, of course, you're going to know all about these tropes. You're going to know all about these characters. And watching so it, it's many. like, this is, this is like an homage to those films, while at the same time deconstructing what a slasher film is and telling mm-hmm. a new yeah. story. And that's what we have. So we have this group of friends and of course just like a slasher film they're all going out of town they're going into the country into a cabin and like you said uh katie earlier it's like evil dead because i was watching i was like is this a ripoff of evil dead <laughs> the same yeah, exact and they cabin the same way but it's not the same cabin because they did burn that one down during the filming of one of the original evil dead movies yes because yes. it was sam raimi's dad's or uncle's cabin and they were like uh no one's gonna buy this movie might as well burn the cabin down (laughs) and um they were wrong but that's okay well i have to say so this movie is so freaking clever so you know and Mm -hmm. like katie mentioned with the marketing you you kind of thought it was a traditional horror film and it hits you with this kind of like office workplace opening and you're just like like, i was like the first time i watched i was like i mean i like bradley whitford and i like uh richard jenkins but what the fuck (laughs) is going on here i don't understand well it's hilarious because in retrospect they purposely did that because they wanted you to think you were walking into the wrong movie Mm -hmm. like okay well and they that hilarious like jump scare but it makes you laugh because they're talking about like hey i'm gonna go buy some drills because i gotta go like do my cabinets are you coming she's like boom boom cabin in the woods you're like okay well what's happening well i also like too so this is one of those movies you watch it so the first time i watched it it was kind of like they're they're doing like mundane like talking about their lives like oh we're trying to get pregnant type thing and you're like i kind of zoned out for a minute and then the second time I watched it, you're more high alert. And so she mentioned something, Lynn, their coworker, she's like, you know, it's up to us in Japan. And you're like, okay, interesting. But then they literally talk about, they're like, you know, the last time we fell, there was a system glitch in 1998. And you think that's a throwaway line, right? Until you look it up. And there in 1998, go. there's two possible theories. One is that J-Har had a boom in 1998, which makes sense why Japan was still pulled through in that year because like Ringu came out, right? Mm-hmm. Huh, but okay. there's also the faculty and the faculty is yes. an American horror film came mm-hmm. out in 1998 and none of the main character got, died and the trope was the good girl was the bad guy. Oh, we spoiled the faculty. Sorry, guys. Which I have actually not seen the faculty, but I know about it. Yeah, so, but that's, I mean, just who would have thought of that, like, reference? Like, you yeah. think, like, oh, okay, there was a glitch in 1998. Okay, and then it's like, no, there's a layer to even that line right. in the movie. Only people who eat, sleep, and drink horror movies would be like, oh, and then we're just going to put this something. little line in right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Which I don't think they've confirmed which yeah. one is the theory. But They're not going but to. No, gonna where's, be like, where's the fun in that? Yeah, 1998, you figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's the other thing. There's a third theory. It could be Halloween H2O. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's true, it's too. That probably one. that one. If I, I, I would, if, if I was a betting man, I would put all my money on H2O. 100%. Oh, yeah. So would Gizmo. Apparently. Gizmo agreed with you. But that's like, Sorry. once again, it's another like brilliant little thing that it wasn't until like the fifth time I watched it and then I was reading about it and someone's like, yeah, by the way, if you know anything about horror in 1998, and I'm like, what? This is fascinating. You learn something new every single time you watch it. That is amazing. Yeah. And there's so many like horror tropes, not just horror tropes, but horror themes, horror villains. Like I mm-hmm. just was trying to write down every movie that they represented 
something from it and it just goes on and on and on for instance they're driving in an rv which seems kind of weird because they're going to a cabin but like not that crazy um but you remember that the rv is definitely the hills have eyes reference because the family is in an mm. rv and all of the hills mm. have eyes movies and then it's a very similar rv also they have to get uh what is what is shoot what is his name chris hemsworth's character's name oh kurt kurt i was like Cutter? I don't know why that's a weird name. That's a weird that's a, name, that's but I've definitely heard name. it before. Hey, yeah, Cutter. It's a very weird name. Yeah. Um, but they have to have Kurt Spike. Yeah, Kurt is like more of like a hi, I'm a jock kind of name. Well, what's great is that when you first meet Kurt, he's literally telling Dana, he's like, Oh, by the way, if you want to do better in your sociology class, you should read this book, this book, instead of this book. So it's, it's he's not the dumb jock. He's not dumb. Also, Jules is pre-med. And she's also very intelligent, but she just dyed her hair blonde for the right. first time ever. Right. And they're like, oh, my God, why'd you go blonde? And you find out later that they put a chemical in the hair dye that she used, which, okay, that is the only like thing I will say. I'm going to say maybe Drew and Joss have not uh, highlighted their hair. You don't dye your hair blonde. You bleach it blonde. You have to remove If you do a dual process. Yeah, well, you it's it's you're removing color from your hair follicles, so they should have said we use like the bleach, but whatever. That's I was just thinking about like, well, that's one thing they missed. I mean, they're very thorough, but like you wouldn't have technically dyed your hair; you would have highlighted it. You know what they should have done? They should have leaned into that and be like, "Oh, she dyed her hair, and it was like rusted, you know, orange instead of blonde." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what it does when you do not tone your hair. It looks. Real, that's how my hair looked when I used sun in in middle school. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I started going brunette and I was like, I don't like this. And I just put sun and it looked real orange for about four years until I realized uh, toner years. exists. Oh my. Okay. Listen, everybody's hair was like that. It was the early 2000s. My sister, oh, and all the brunette girls in my class decided to get those chunky orange highlights in their hair. Remember those? Yeah. Those oh were the my days. God. <laughs> so at least mine was like, it started dark blonde and just was like a little reddish blonde but like the orange hair was and as, everywhere as we established i was an emo kid so i was like how can i get my hair darker like- yeah <laughs> emo kids either went like white hair or like black there was no in between unless you had like a highlighter pink streak yeah yeah which also i feel like paramore's lead singer probably oh, like Williams. the Haley reason Williams. she had orange hair yeah. for most of it yes. was probably because she was like I bleached it. Looks really orange. I guess I'm just gonna put more orange in it. That looks fine. That looks that looks cool. It's fine. She actually has a hair dye company now, by the way. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she's a. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, it's like a fun. Like she does all kinds of different colors, and like her Instagram for it's very cute. Yeah, I was like, good for you, Haley Williams. I like you. Oh, but thinking thinking back to the movie, even at the beginning, there. So Katie's right there in the RV, but they even stop at a gas station that's With like the Harbinger. Yes. And yeah, it's the, it's the typical man, like not not typical man, but ty- typical like That's older typical guy. Man. Like, typical man trying to ruin my vacation. I just want to drink mimosas on he, the beach. He's basically Anyways. holding a dry erase board that says "You will die." Yeah, yeah. he's just like, and like, of course, his like gas station's closed, and it's at a gas station. It's always at a gas station. He's like, and it's it's great because after they leave, he ends up calling the call the office that the uh bra- uh the branches yeah. the branch i was trying the to faculty. say brad and yeah and robert oh, Jenkins, Hadley, Jenkins, right? or Hadley, Hadley and, Hadley Citizen. and Citizen, yeah 
um well they're like hanging out and they put him on speakerphone and he takes his job very seriously oh yeah i think he was i think he studied shakespeare i mean the man is just like like they do not see the horror they're about to befall them let the the land run sick with their crimson blood he's like am i on speakerphone and they're just <laughs> laughing at him which is why i feel very like dwight and jim in the office yes, yes. you know like it's very much like you know the stapler the jello kind of thing and it's it's interesting i will say which some people were like oh there's a new guy in the office the security guard and they're explaining things to him i'm like i mean that's kind of the point of those kinds of characters so we have exposition without it being annoying right. so i think they do it very well yeah that. it is it's smart because um, the, the woman who's uh their coworker, who's Lynn. like in the chemical yeah. department who she's the one that gave jewel her toxic hair dye that t- makes her brain go soft um <laughs> she's like i know it seems really cruel we're all betting on them but you know we're just releasing steam and apparently goddard grew up, uh, grew up in new mexico near where they did the manhattan project which created the atomic bomb sadly and he kind of you know was thinking about how people acted creating a bomb in their day-to-day life that was going to destroy a bunch of people, but they were trying to keep people safe by doing a really evil, bad thing and how their day-to-day would have been. And that's kind of what happened. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I mean, people I've worked with, like, it's like when you're, um, when you work in the medical field too, you have to use gallows humor. Mm-hmm. So you're not so depressed, you know? And you could, I mean, I've had a lot of family members be in the medical field and it's like, you have to kind of laugh at it or else you're going to be really, really messed up. But, um, it's, there also takes some respect yeah. for them as well, but it's, it's very like, like cut up. And I think that's an interesting juxtaposition and an interesting inspiration. Yeah. And I like, so after we see them like taking all these bets and stuff, so this was this, I didn't catch this to like the third time. I've watched it, but suddenly Kurt's wearing like a varsity jacket. Yeah. I was like, that's hilarious. (laughs) Um, And they dare. So it's interesting to see how many people have the same like kind of feeling I did. So the first time I saw it and they dare, um, Marty dares uh, Jules to make out the moose head. And it's really a wolf head. Oh no, it's a wolf head. It's a wolf head. But yeah, that's remember he calls it, I dare you make out that moose over there. And she's like, they're like, that's a wolf. Oh yeah. That's a wolf. Which the moose head, I think is another evil dead reference because there's a moose head that taunts, um, Bruce Campbell, or Ash yes. is the character's name, in this... Is it the first one or just the second one? I have spent so many years... I think, I think it might just one. be the second one. I think oh, it's the, the first one? I'm not sure. But, but like, basically the same movie, one's funnier, one's more serious. Yes. But it's honestly. funny, because I the first time I saw this, I was like, this wolf's head's gonna come alive, it's gonna like right? mess her up. And so they too. kind of subvert... Yeah, they subvert your expectations. They do. Yeah. And also, they didn't use a real wolf's head. They made that one. And it, because one, they didn't want to kill a wolf. And two, they needed to have a tongue. And I guess taxidermy wolves don't usually have tongues. So they made a silicone tongue for it. And they covered it in powdered sugar to make it easier for the actress to make out with. So that's a wow. fun fact. But let's un- you gotta do what you gotta do. That's amazing. But let's unpack uh, the facility and uh, the whole like harbinger and like all that stuff because like um, it's really interesting how you put it because like I didn't know Drew Goddard um, lived near where they tested the atomic bomb and all that stuff because like that truly is very insightful because like those people that are working you know, in this facility within this movie does mirror what probably happened 
during the Manhattan Project during World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's unpack that a little bit more. So could you explain what exactly that they're doing in this underground facility? So it comes to pass that you find out that this is like the corporate version of throwing a virgin in a volcano for the old ones, the ancient ones, the old gods, very Cthulhu, very HP Lovecraft. Basically they're appeasing some underground inner core gods with human sacrifices once a year. And every country has its own facility or at least a lot of different countries do. I'm sure not everyone, but a lot of them participate. America's one, Japan's one, Stockholm, so Sweden does it as well, um, which makes sense because Sweden at least had let the right one in at this point. So oh, they and had, the thing. And the thing. Yeah. So, because it's a Swedish camp at mm, the beginning. You're right. You're yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> and I think their their thing was based on the thing. It was. Yeah. yeah. So, and then the Japan has like a little Sam, Samara. I always want to say oh, Samara. Yeah. Oh, it's so like Saruman. <laughs> um, Samara. Sadako with Ringu. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, the, for those of us who have only seen the American version. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the creepy little girl with the long hair. So yeah. basically, they have taken horror movies that we know, and that is their sacrifice to the gods. So the American version has to have um the whore who is jewels which again they've they've you know stacked the cards against her she has to be corrupted um she has to die first then they have to kill off the next three the scholar the athlete and the fool which the scholar is holden the athlete is kurt and the fool is marty the stoner and then the virgin can either be the last to die or she can survive which is most horror movies right. um i do like at the end where uh they're explaining this to dana the quote-unquote virgin and she's like me because she's talking about how she just had an affair with her professor that didn't work out and she's like and the director's just like we work with what we have it's okay <laughs> very i was like oh that's that's hilarious it's so funny too because also I think it's very telling. So uh, Whedon and Goddard have both said that Sitterson and Hadley are stand-ins for them. So the old gods make us the audience. We're the old gods. We're the old gods. Yeah. Yes. Very we, nice. We, we have our We digest that content. Yeah. So that's the thing that's funny because when they they basically lead Jules and Kurt into their sex scene and he's just like, give us the goods, show us the boobies. And Truman's like, is this really necessary? And he's like, we're not the only ones watching. And so you think it's the old gods, but it's also our expectations yep. as the audience to see nudity. That's meta right. upon meta yeah. upon meta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Yeah. But yeah, so basically everybody gets killed, <laughs> which is terrible. Right. Um, but it's- you understand why. The other thing I like that they point out is if they don't transgress, they won't be punished. So right. they can tempt them with stuff, but unless they make the choices that they make kind of like playing the video game until dawn um they won't actually die unless they make bad choices which is most horror movies of the 90s and early 2000s was a bunch of teenagers making bad choices right um so like for instance the reason they get the hillbilly redneck crazy zombie family is they all go into the basement because you know the cellar door flies open because that happens um, and they all have different objects that they're looking at, and they're almost like hypnotized by these objects. There's a necklace, a music box with a ballerina in it, some film, 
a puzzle box a and a conch. Yes. A, co- a conch <laughs> shell and a um a journal. And Dana's like everyone is about to like open their perspective summoning device and Dana's like, "Wait, guys, let's read this journal," which is obviously a nod to the Evil Dead because if you've seen any of them, they come alive when they read a Latin phrase. Yep. And so she reads a Latin phrase out loud. And it's very notable that Marty's the only one who seems to still be himself. Everyone else is acting very stupid, not being themselves at all, or acting like overly like casual sexually. Like it's very like they're, they're like not acting like themselves. And it's because Marty smokes weed all the time. And apparently his weed is counteracting all the chemicals that are up in his body. <laughs> yeah. So if that isn't an argument for legalizing marijuana, I don't know what is, guys. I also think it's funny because it's like, so the Bruckners, the zombie redneck torture family, is also definitely an allusion to torture porn. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like hilarious because that's definitely what they were fighting against when they initially wrote this script. Was They were like, we're so sick and tired of this. Eli Roth, we're so... Oh, also he had a Cabin in the Woods movie because Cabin Fever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was earlier, right? It was uh, 2007 this, or 8 it was mid-2000s yeah. right yeah. i will double check it so but yeah i thought that was like hilarious and they also said they were really tired of seeing kids make stupid decisions in yeah. movies because they're like teenagers basically they would have to be like pumped with chemicals to make yeah. as many stupid decisions as they make in harm movies. which and i will say joss whedon's kind of known for kind of turning tropes on its head because the whole reason buffy the vampire slayer the movie and then the series existed was because he wanted to take the trope of the scared little blonde cheerleader getting murdered by the big bad monster and have her the one hunting the monsters. Right. And that's why Buffy's a cheerleader. And she's mm-hmm. cute and popular and perky. But she's also going to kick your ass. Yep. Um, so we all love Buffy. That's so, right. So, you know. Oh, 2002 was Captain oh, Peter. Wow. Oh, wow. Even earlier. Well, you know, Sean Hunter from Boy Meets World was in it. That's not the actor's name. That's the character's name. And I'm blanking on the actual actor's name who played Sean in Boy Meets World. Oh, but he was that. in it right around the college years of boy meets world so um it'll come to me eventually very nice so yeah like this film i mean it's such an interesting premise because it's like it takes that ancient um sentiments of like you know appeasing the gods appeasing the dark ones Mm -hmm. by doing sacrifices human sacrifices and of course joss whedon when he wrote this he like took that idea and then applied it to horror because like all these horror films, like all the slasher ones, like they're essentially could be framed as human sacrifices if there is an organization facilitating right. all this. And in this film, there is. And well, and it explains the way that all horror movies could be in the same universe. Yes. Yeah. It's all being facilitated by this mm-hmm. uh, dark Facility. entity. Yes. Like, yeah. It's, I just absolutely love this movie. And it's, yes. it's just, it's, a breath of fresh air because it's like it's not just horror it's also a little bit of sci-fi as well because it's like Mm -hmm. this facility like like we were talking about it has all these different creatures encased in like these uh holding cubes holding cells Mm -hmm. so then it implies like well i mean it validates all of these spiritual entities are real right yeah and I love, there's, oh my God, there's so many of them. I love it. Cause you know, eventually, you know, skipping forward, Holden 
Kurt and Jules all get killed. We think Marty is dead, but at the last minute, just like Scream, just like Randy and Scream, he just walks <laughs> up and is like, hey, I'm okay. He helps save Dana. And he's actually figured out where the elevator is. So he and Dana mm-hmm. go down to the facility and they see all these creatures. And I love it because like you understand like that they are nodding to every horror movie ever. And Dana kind of gets it when they see like first they see like a werewolf and then a ghost, but then they see an obvious pinhead reference um to a like sawhead man, which they call <laughs> yeah. him Hell Lord, but oh I wrote down his name. Um because I just oh yes, Fornicus, Lord of Bondage and Pain is what his <laughs> name is. Um, so there's that, there's like goblins and witches and giant snakes and demons. And there's also, uh, three members of the KKK. Yes. Real life, real life monsters. Wait, really? And it's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't notice and, that. Yeah. yeah. You have to, they're not like a focus. They're off in a cube. And then you see them walking through one of the cameras later on. One of them is in a red hood and the other two are in white hoods. Every time I watch it, I try to put my eyes somewhere different so I can catch mm-hmm. something new. There's also, because they show on the white at race board, and they did say this in an interview, they confirmed it, because there's there's a, there's a Kevin. There's just a name, like and it's Kevin. Kevin. And they're like, well, a lot of people were like, I don't think the We Need to Talk About Kevin movie had come out, but the book, I believe, was out at the time. So people were like, is that a reference? And they were like, no, Kevin was a character they created that seemed like a normal guy until he started chopping people up with an axe. Yeah. So once again, something kind of rooted and normalcy right so which is really interesting too there's also an evil clown and there's what are they called the tree they call the tree oh, the angry molesting the angry tree. molesting tree which uh-huh. is an evil dead reference and deadites too they have deadites and deadites they yeah. have deadites um what else did i oh uh obviously like cthulhu uh titans from greek mythology there's a purple people eater that's very hard to see <laughs> yeah. they also have creepy doctors which is both a reference to like the human centipede which i don't no, that had come out. That came out when we were like early. That was like 2009. Yeah, everyone was talking about that movie. I just remember they're like, and then, and then he sews their mouths to their butts. I mean, and I was just like, nope. at the time, that was pretty, okay. pretty. That was that was pretty unique. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, it's still, it's you, it was unique. Just I don't. Yeah. Anyways, it's a, it's about that, but also they look very similar to the gentleman from the Hush episode of Buffy, which was nominated for an Emmy because the whole episode is is silent because the gentlemen steal everyone's voices and then their hearts um because they don't want people to scream when they steal their hearts and kill them so they steal their voices and the whole town of sunnydale uh can't talk so they're all using sign language mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
language and music um, to do the whole episode. It's a great episode. Wow. Um, it's fantastic. Um, but they also kind of like looked like them. They didn't float like the gentleman did. Um, there's also obviously like J Horror, uh, the ballerina we mentioned, who has like a lamprey face, which also reminded me of like an episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog. Cause I'll never forget the violin girl, the cello girl in Courage the Cowardly Dog, where mm-hmm. she's like, he knocks on a door and cause he's looking for somebody in a hotel and this girl's like playing, I think it's the cello. And he's like, hello. And she turns on her face is terrifying. And that always scared me every time I watch that episode. And so it's like something perfectly normal, but they turn around and it's just really, really creepy. So there's just so many references. Oh, I yeah. wrote down so many. Like it's a laundry oh list of a whole bunch of horror films. Yeah. Uh, within oh, this in playground. video games, fear and silent hill are both referenced by the little creepy girl. Um, in the mm. hallway, fear right, has Alma, right, right. so they have Alma in the hallway, and then also the girl who plays Patience Buckner, the girl with her arm chopped off yeah. by her crazy, uh, religious fanatic family. Um, she's oh, played Alessa. by the girl that plays Alessa in the Silent Hill movies. My really? nephew is yeah. Really? My nephew, yeah. My nephew's name wow. Draven. Uh, and Draven was born in 2006, but Draven had been a girl whose name was going to be Alessa. So I so that's just cursing that. your baby. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's just Alessa, cursing. Like Gillespie. naming your kid Damien. My brother is like you know like a a metalhead horror guy, so he was like he's going to have a cool name. I was like so a gothic horror name it makes sense. So yeah, I would have <laughs> named them like a like a hero's name though. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like I Buffy. I will say Buffy. I will say before we move on, I've only met Hello? one other Draven in my whole life, and I've never met Alessa. So Draven. compared to I, Brittany, you know, because everyone everywhere. saw Silent Hill. Which the movies, uh, but the games are great. Which I don't think Alessa is technically in the games. Well, I don't think she. There's is. a there's a character like her, but it's not the same. Well, if you but... talk to my buddy Aaron, he's a stand for the Silent Hill movie. He loves the games, but he's like, "Do you understand how good this movie?" We did a whole episode about it. <laughs> oh, I need to go back and listen to that one because I didn't. He see goes. That one. Was... He goes hard. He always goes hard, but like he goes hard. He was like, "Listen." This Ask him if he plays Until movie. Dawn. What? Ask him if he ever played Until Dawn, because that is basically you controlling a horror movie. It's one of the most, it's so, it's like stupidly fun. It's so much fun. But Silent Hill is genuinely terrifying. Silent Hill, Resident Evil. I have not played Fear yet. I think I bought it. It's a good movie. Haven't played it, it. Excuse me. It's a good game. I played yeah, it back in yeah. the day. Back, was it 2005 Hill, or something? I own all of them, I think think at this point i used to collect a lot of video games and i still i just i have too many i don't need to collect anymore what's but, cool about like, fear and then we can get back into the movie what's cool about fear yeah. is that it's a first person shooter but mm. a survival horror and like it's yeah. like it does interesting stuff to like mess with you like it's more than just yeah. jump scares it's like this atmosphere of like dread and it's like you're trying to figure out what's going on while also like shooting things it's very cool yeah yeah, and they've kind of traveled that to, like, the newer Resident Evil movies, too. I mean, games, like, 7 and 8 are very much, like, first-person shooter, but creepy. And yeah. if you play it in VR, because I have, terrifying, but really fun, because you can peek around corners with your head, and you have to you have to aim with your face. So you can't look away <laughs> while you shoot the scary things. So it took me a while. I was like, why do I keep dying? And I was like, oh, because I'm aiming with my face. So you have to stare down these big bads as they're coming at you with chainsaws and you know i got it eventually i got pretty far 
But what's it's cool about though. because like with Resident Evil, it's like going into it, it's like zombie apocalypse, and you have to like survive whether you're like Leon or Joe was- Valentine. But with like yeah. fear, it's like you play like this SWAT guy. From what I remember, you play like yeah. a SWAT yeah, person. Yeah. And you're going into like, oh, we have to like you know, hostage situation. Then very yeah. quickly, it's like supernatural, and there's demons. Yeah, you're like, what is and this little like, demon? Oh child my god! Doing? <laughs> yeah, I've I've watched a lot of people play it. It's just one. I'm not like I'm not a big like Call of Duty person. I like games with more plot, and so like I kind of. But my favorite video game series is um oh shoot uh <laughs> clock tower oh yeah the clock, clock tower, tower series and yeah. that's very creepy like uh atmospheric and like i have like everything from a, a port of the original japanese uh, wow. that's it's it's not it's not the original japanese it's like somebody uh did an emulation of it to the uh, yes. spiritual successor haunting ground where you have a dog as your best friend as you're in a creepy wow. castle and everyone wants to kill or marry you so <laughs> just you know it's oh just like God. being a woman. I'm just kidding. But that was the over-exaggeration. <laughs> but it's like getting, it's back, right. getting back into the film. Like, getting back to the film. So we have this uh, organization that f- facilitates uh, human sacrifices to appease the ancient ones. So the world mm-hmm. does not get destroyed. And, you know, this kind of implies that this has been going on for centuries, if not thousands yeah. of years. And mm-hmm. I love the 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 setting that they put on because it's like everything's manufactured to the point where like there's cameras everywhere. There's pheromones mm-hmm. being uh, spread around because like we want these teenagers or I think they're even in college. I'm not sure. But like we yeah, want they're these... in college. Yeah. OK, so that's I like what you said earlier, Brittany, where it's like uh, Kurtz, the the jock, is like wearing a varsity jacket yeah. in college. Yeah. It gets even better because they cut back to the scene after the whole cellar incident and freaking Holden suddenly wearing glasses. Yeah, he's yeah. wearing glasses all of a sudden. And then, <laughs> like, and then uh, Dana, who's been talking about how, like, literally Jules says, maybe your professor X shouldn't have fucked his student. And so obviously she's a sexually active person, but she's acting all like shy and like evasive with Holden. She's like, oh my God. He's like, nothing you're not ready for. And it's like, what happened to her? Like she's she's like a sexually vibrant young woman. Yeah. Don't take her sexual power away from her, but they do. Yeah. You know, that's what happens. Yeah. Like we have uh this group of people and they're being manipulated to become these vessels for sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And it's it's done very tastefully and very believable because it's like, all right, we're gonna drug these people up so they can uh do essentially sin. Or like uh, mm-hmm. debauchery, so it's like okay, now we can sacrifice them to a piece of gods, and while also, yeah. hey, a wink, wink, a nod to like slasher films because it's like, what's interesting, and like I, you know, as watching Friday the Thirteenth so many times, it's like you know the formula, and it's like, well, if they have sex, that means they're gonna die. So like, yeah, <laughs> it, it's funny because like all these horror films, the slasher films are at the root of it, like kind of like low key wholesome in a way. It's like, don't do anything. Don't partake in drugs or else Jason Voorhees will eviscerate you and rip out your guts. And it's like, Hmm. Well, interesting message. The people who produce them are older people, not in that generation, not unless you get into the real grindhouse things like last house on the left or something like that. But the studio produced ones are like old fashioned values and you're like how do you do well, fellow kids <laughs> yeah exactly see Bashemi would just fit right in on a skateboard he's actually holding God two skateboards them. in that scene 
Oh yeah, I, and I love the hat. Yes. Oh my god, I love Steve Buscemi. He is a gift. He, oh my god, love that man. <laughs> but, oh god, but like He's yeah, so good. this film is so it's it's a clever movie, and I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Like as we get into the film, like you know, just like with a horror film, like people are getting picked off, people are dying, and. There's a scene, like we alluded earlier, that they find, they look behind the curtain, just like in Wizard of Oz, and they see this elevator shaft going directly into Mm -hmm. the facility, and they break in, and what happens next is not at all what I expected at all from this movie. You know, as I'm watching it, I'm like, where's this movie going to go? Where's the story going? How are they going to resolve this? And what ends up happening, like what ends up happening with uh, Dana Polk and Marty... Mm-hmm. Is that they just unleash havoc and chaos? They purge. They purge everything. Literally, I have to say this. So, like when I first saw this movie, I liked it, but it was the scene that elevated it. I was like, okay, you I really like it, is? it, but I love it. It's the scene where all the security guards. There's eleven security guards in the vestibule with the elevators, and then you just hear a ding, and all the oh, monsters shit. come out and just eviscerate them, yes. and it's hilarious this is, yes. this is i love this but also i do think it's a little hilarious because it's like why would a facility like that have a purge button yeah i don't like, understand that's the only thing i'm like i love it i love what happens but it's like you would think of all the facilities that would well be the if one shit hits the fan you have to contain it yeah i guess so maybe oh. they figured the monsters would all kill each other off or something? yeah and they don't attack each other that's another they funny don't. thing they t- None only of them attack, attack humans and they actually help each other. Like, oh, someone wants to throw, like, one person to the giant snake, which apparently one of them is a reaver from Firefly, which it's been forever since I watched Firefly, so I can't remember. I think the reavers were bad. Well, it's been a really long time since I watched Firefly. Yeah, I Great so. show. But apparently that was a nod to a Joss Whedon thing, which also a lot of people who worked on this project had worked on Firefly or Buffy or Dollhouse or any of those Makes sense. Joss Whedon things. So, you know, actually, I was surprised the cinematographer worked on like Mulholland Drive. Yes. And so we knew um, David Lynch. Yeah, he worked on two different David Lynch movies. He worked on Mulholland Drive and Lost Highway. And then he also did Drag Me to Hell, Scream 4, and Evil Dead 2. Oh so he God. knew how to film that cabin. Yes, he did. Just imagine yeah. if David Lynch was on set during Cabin in the Woods. Like, hmm, this He's is like, very interesting. This is bullshit. <laughs> if he was, Snap it, out it would be like a three and a half hour movie. Like, I love that man. <laughs> I don't know if you've listened to our episode on Blue Velvet, but I went. She had not seen it before. And it's my favorite David Lynch movie. And I'm very obsessed with Twin Peaks. Thank you to my friend Sophie who got me into it like before the third season came out. But like, I, I just love him so much. Like, and he gets so angry about people watching his shows on like cell phones. He's like, what the hell is that about? I just don't understand. But then he also does like the weather report on YouTube where he's like, hey, exactly. Just I, I would be music. mad too if I made a movie and then someone's watching it on a cell phone with like the the app I mean, UI of like some... the, the volume in the corner, the X button, subtitles. I'm like, this is exactly you know, what I pictured when people would be watching it, my movie, my cinematic feel... dream of a scroll bar <laughs> I feel bad. next to my I feel actors. Bad. 
we I have I also own it on Laserdisc though. So I own Blue Velvet on Laserdisc. You do? So I mean, there's a, I had a uh unfortunately when me and my ex broke up, I kept all the Laserdisc and he the one awful thing he did was like, well, not the one awful thing, but the worst thing of the splitting of the assets was I want to keep the Laserdisc player. So I have the original Star like Wars on Laserdisc. I have all of these movies and I've only watched like a handful of them and I'm like so I'm on the hunt for a Laserdisc player cuz like I want to watch all my David Lynch movies on Laserdisc. Very, very recently, a friend sent me a David Lynch clip, and I still, I'm still convinced that <laughs> someone pulled a prank on this assistant because the assistant went up and asked him to cut a scene, like to call cut, and he like went the fuck off on her. You and I was like, watch someone Lynch. go, hey, this assistant's new. Let's tell her to go tell David to cut. This. Oh, I'm sure. And the thing <laughs> is with David Lynch is people repeatedly oh, come back to work with him and always yeah. have glowing reviews about working with him. But I don't think he does not like you messing with his process, which is why he hated doing the original Dune. But yeah. anyways, um, but I just found it interesting that like this movie looks good, but it's it like does. this cinematographer has done some fantastic highbrow films and, and I, some really good horror movies as I well. I think I was reading an interview too because they were talking to Drew about like the cinematographer and they did mention that he got the cinematographer from a hole in drive. And he goes, it was really important to me. Um, and I love this aspect because it makes perfect sense that every scene they filmed he was like you know it's a horror movie but it's a comedy and i didn't want to swing the pendulum too far in either direction i don't think he yeah. does yeah, i think it's, it's pretty perfect. Pitch perfect like the comedy is still so good like i still laugh watching this movie i the, the comedic timing it's like like the like the scene in predator where they're reloading the muskets and i was like yep, yes. that's how long it takes yes. yeah um it's just like i love little moments like that now i mean this movie's more of a horror comedy which I love, like Reanimator is one of the best horror movies out there because it is so batshit insane. Um, and I just love it. But also, like, this movie is just, it's funny, but it's also delivers on the gore, delivers on some scares, too. It does. You know? And then you start does. thinking, like, what if I go to a cabin and is somebody, is, is it's the whole like, fear of like, people controlling what you're doing, too. It's the Truman Show all over again. The Truman Show. <laughs> I, that's a t I used to think after I watched that movie because I watched it when I was a pretty young kid because it's not yeah. very inappropriate for children. My parents were like Jim Carrey, all the kids like Jim Carrey, but like I was like, what if I'm on the Katie Show? What if this is oh, all an God. illusion? And I would like oh, test. God. I was like, does something happen at the same time every day? Like it was one of those like glitch in the matrix moments for my tiny little mind. Yeah, that was me, but with the Matrix, I'm like, is this yeah. all a simulation? Yeah, I feel to this day, I still feel that way. Like if I go back in the kitchen and a cupboard door is open and I didn't remember leaving it open, I'm like, is there a glitch? Well, at least you nah, live with other people. It's not a glitch. Like, You're just haunted. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Which is, too. you know, if it's a fun ghost, cool. Yeah. Like that's happy it Halloween. Could be fun, but it's happy a poultry guys. It's a poultry guys, guys. No. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, the poltergeists were fun until they weren't. <laughs> the chair thing was cool. Until the, the, right. the bones started floating up from the pool. You yeah. didn't take the bodies! Like, yeah. This was, isn't fun anymore, telling... guys. <laughs> Someone at my work had a list of 50 horror movies they were going to watch, and I was telling her, I was like, well, this one's okay, this one's scary, you can watch this one with your kids, this one you cannot watch with your kids. And poltergeist looked the number one, I was like, I mean, this one isn't that scary, and I actually really enjoyed it. It's more of like a story of a family struggling with something with some like creepy stuff going on. Right. The clown is terrifying though. And speaking of clown, There's like that, clown. that was my favorite sequence during the purge situation because it's like, I love how the comedy <laughs> in this is like, 
it's overt, but it's not overdone. And like the tone yeah. is just perfect because like the people making yeah. this film knew what they were doing. Like it's, it's just like, you know, it's a parody, but it's like, it's still like in a way it takes itself seriously, but also being like light in tone and like with the clown, it's just like, imagine like Pennywise and it's like, he's like, he has like a knife and he's like trying to stab like this, uh, security person. And this guy's like shooting at him and the bullets yeah. aren't doing anything. And like the clowns like continue until like, <laughs> I'm like, right? I love this. I love every single second of this. Which well, is Pennywise. I mean, except he doesn't stab people. He turns into a spoilers for it guys. A scary alien and um, shows right. you his deadlights. Following yes. that, the unicorn sequence, I think, had people dying too. Yeah, because it plays a magical music. Just, yes. a you know what? Yes. If I hadn't seen the movie The Last Unicorn as a very young child, I would have been like shocked. But I was like, no, no, you don't mess with unicorns. You're going to get horned. But also, that I wasn't a horse. <laughs> gonna, I was like, I don't know. What else do you say? And that's oh, why Lord, in the credits it said no animals were harmed during the production of <gasps> no, this movie. Oh, okay. But there was a shot of a real horse with them at some point, which uh, I thought was cool. This is being me being a uh, folklore like nut, but like, so originally only virgins could see unicorns. That was the original myth. And yeah. if anybody but a virgin tried to touch a unicorn, it would kill them. Well, so at least we know that everyone who got killed by the unicorn yeah. had a good time on Earth before they died. Yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's a good thing. And there's also the merman. Because, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. That was satisfying. Keeps saying, I just wish it was the merman. Yeah, and because, he just, like, like, he's always wanted to see it. Because, okay, like, the, the people coming into the, the, the I'm going to call it the playground, like, the area. To, and, like, they get to this part where, like, they can, it's essentially a choose-your-own-adventure. And that's where all the, the co-workers are, like, betting, like, all right, what are they going to choose? Yeah. Hillbilly reanimated corpses. Oh, that's different than zombies. Sorry, you didn't win the pot. Yeah. So, like, so he, he was like, oh, I just wanted to be a merman. Yeah. And he finally and then, got his wish. So this is, like. I mean, but they're really messy to clean up after. Yes. And not only does he kill him, and I love that Hadley's like, come on, seriously? But he's like, oh, whatever. At least I finally get to see my disgusting, creepy merman. But then they added blood spurting out of the blowhole when he kills him. And like, if you see the behind the scenes, they did that for like 20 minutes of just like <laughs> gallons. And then like everyone in the like special effects department was like, how, how much of this are they gonna keep but bradley whitford's like laying on the ground pretending to be eaten <laughs> with, and it was a practical suit so there's a real person getting blood spurted through their costume like and it's just it was beautiful and they only did it in one take because true to the saying it was very hard to clean up after it was yeah so basically like they would just sit there and he would pretend to flail and they would just do it and then they'd run it again and they'd do it again and wow. it was yeah, they did That's mostly amazing. practical effects. But yeah. apparently the reason they're CGI is because they got to the... So they built everything in America and they went up to Canada to film this and all the sets were bigger than they were told they were going to be. So they were like, well, we have to fill this space, but we can't build any more monsters because we don't have our facilities with us. Right. So that's why there's some CGI in there, like the big snake and there's like a bat dragon yeah. thing. Yep. Which I thought they could have had a bigger dragon, but this was before Game of Thrones was popular, so maybe they were like, tiny dragon, that's scary. Right. Dragon hat. Dragon bat. Yeah. So going back to the tone, I, there's a reason why I brought it up, because like they did it so well, and it's like it's hard to articulate like how. You just need like the right script, the right music. Everything needs to be cohesive and make sense. Like I don't know. Have you seen Freaky? 
with uh, Vince Vaughn. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was watching that and like the whole movie felt like a fake movie within a movie. Like, you know, when you're watching Scream oh, no. and it's like stab. Yeah. It's like, oh, this yeah. is clearly yeah. a parody. And I'm watching this. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, the real movie's going to start. Like, this is the movie that the characters are watching. And I'm like 45 minutes in and I'm like, oh, no, oh, this is the movie. Did you feel like that? I haven't gotten to watch it yet, but one of my friends from college actually helped cast that movie. I and so I've been wanting to watch it, but I think you hit the nail on the head. I didn't think of it exactly like that, but I was more disappointed because everyone built it up so well. Yeah. And it felt like the tone was off to me mm. during that movie. It well, was like a, no a parody, offense, but, but like Vaughn. He, he was also actually... that psycho remake, right? I mean, <laughs> he's just very good at being scary. He's good at being like, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, he's good at being Vince Vaughn. <laughs> and like, I, Wedding Crashers is hilarious. I love him in old school. Yes. He's hilarious. But I mean, not too much else. I'm not a big Vince Vaughn fan, but I mean, he was not like the psycho. But there also is a rumor that Gus Van Sant oh, he did on was purpose. kind of parodying. Yeah, he was making it bad on purpose to say you shouldn't remake mm-hmm. these good movies. So he did a shot for yeah. shot remake. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, it looks cool. Like, I like how you can see the costumes and all that stuff, but it's not good. It's not good. God rest you, Anne Heche, but whew, no, no. Janet Lee is no, uh, no. much better. Ooh. But yeah, it's like, anyway. you have to get the tone right. And like this movie, yeah. Cabin in the Woods, gets the tone right. It's like, it's yeah. done so well. And are you guys ready to get off the fence? Because I have a few questions for you too. Okay. So, do you think that this movie, first and foremost, holds up today? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it does. Very concise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. I mean, it does. It's. I think Britt hit the nail on the head when she said, "Like, there's not any pop culture references to send you back to that time." You know, I think Evil Dead's kind of like that too, where like they kind of you're just in the cabin. They didn't have a lot of money for a lot of other stuff. So it, it, other than the film looking older, it kind of just looks like it could be anyone. They're just kind of wearing seventies outfits. So other than like yeah. the clothing, it's not really modern. Right. And so you can put yourself back in that and just pretend it's that time period. Although we've had a lot better horror movies since then. So, Oh yeah. You know, most definitely. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think this movie totally holds up today because like it is, uh, kind of like a nostalgia movie. It, it like references back to like the hate, the Bronze Age of horror, the slasher. Yeah. Like and yeah. and like honestly, like even though the fashion is a little bit dated, considering it's 2011, it kind of plays into that because like you have Chris Hemsworth wearing a freaking varsity jacket. You have like yeah, uh, Marty looking like Scooby Doo, Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Yeah. Like it leans I mean, the into Shaggy that. is the best. Yes, Shaggy's my favorite. So. He is the best. Marty is the one that I would like. I was like, I love Marty. Yeah, Marty's Marty, the Marty is so likable. Yeah. Oh, real fun fact, real quick. So the reason he doesn't strip during the lake scene is because is. the actor who plays him was more ripped than, than Chris Hemsworth at the time. And Jesse Williams, yeah. At the time. It was before Thor, remember? Yeah. So he and they were like, it would look weird if you were if the stoner was yeah, ripped. If the stoner was ripped. <laughs> so that's why they give him all those baggy clothes too. So oh he looks more yeah, isn't that funny? I, totally I mean, it makes it. sense because if you're an actor in Hollywood, you got to be ready for any role. You're not just going right. to go for like, well, I'm going to eat a bunch of month like snacks because I'm only going to go for stoner roles. So jacked. you would probably work out. You That's know, great. Um, so 
we didn't really get into the ending of the film, but we are going to get into it right now. So like, oh. so like uh, Shaggy and the final girl end up going downstairs to where the director is. So like this whole movie like references like, you know, the people downstairs need this to happen. It's like in plain like they're working for the devil, you know, wink, wink. Not yeah. So we end up seeing who the director is and like I jumped out of my seat. I audibly <laughs> gasped. I was like, oh, my God, Sigourney Weaver. Like it what? Is. That's the most random actor that I would expect in this movie. It's like, oh my god! Like what? Well, I mean, you know, she's horror movie icon from the Alien films. I mean, she was one of the first final girls to really fight back in a way that was equal to male heroes in those movies. And I mean, nobody can disagree that Ripley is one of the best horror movie. Heroes, but did you expect Ellen Ripley to pop up in this uh cabin in the I mean, woods? When movie? I first saw it, I was like, What? But they also said, like, they wrote their director to be a man, Bruce Campbell, really? And then, Bruce Campbell. yeah, someone like, Yeah, but then they, when they were casting it, they were like, I don't know, like, I feel like it should be a woman, and then they were like, And all I can see is Sigourney Weaver, so they were almost on the fence of not doing the movie if she wasn't gonna do it, and then she apparently not only loved doing it she was super enthusiastic about meeting the werewolf and in like every day she comes to set she's like it's the werewolf here i want to take a picture with the werewolf i'm so excited and she's apparently just very enthusiastic and lovely to work with i mean she did galaxy quest she does not mind doing i love galaxy quest it's i will doing say some schlock that. Here also, in there. <laughs> with my second watch because when marnie and dana leave the elevators you can hear over the intercom yeah. talking to them and then the second time i was like oh that is sigourney we yeah nice. So. And she is such an interesting, like, like not she's not a villain villain, but she is like a really interesting authority figure as she's gotten older. And she's like, she's I don't know how tall she is, but she always seems like she's like a very stately woman yeah, and like just very intimidating. And I think she's the perfect role for that. It would have been weird if it wasn't a horror icon. Honestly, yeah. if it was just some random person, I don't think it would have had the same impact. But yeah. it makes sense. If it was uh, Bruce Campbell, I don't think that would have totally fit because, like, you need like this uh, figure that can instill fear, and like Sigourney Weaver has like this authoritative presence. Yeah. in that role, and if it was Bruce, Bruce Campbell, kind of him, he's kind of Bruce Campbell. It's, yeah, it's kind of like yeah. it's like if um, what's his name? Uh, it's kind of like George Clooney. If George Clooney was yeah. in that role, you don't see the character. You see, oh, that's George Clooney. Even though yeah. I was like, oh my god, Sigourney Weaver. But it's like you still like she like embodies she's that transforms yeah. into parts. Yeah, she's it's like Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is a really good actor, and he does transform into roles. But we also see him as Johnny Depp because exactly. he's been in so many things. But he does actually take the extra step. Bruce Campbell though has a very solid <laughs> career playing himself in a lot of different movies. He yeah. actually, one of my high school friends does theater in Tennessee and they do the Evil Dead musical every year, which I've always wanted to do because you get to spurt the audience with blood. It's great. And it's, it's you know, it's very corny and yeah. funny. Um, but Bruce Campbell, like, teased them with maybe being a part of it. I don't know if they actually got him, but he, like, on Twitter was like, I might have some free time if y'all need a crotchety old man to play the Harbinger character. And I was like, I hope it happens for them. They do it in October. I was like, I've never gotten to go see their production. But I was like, I might drive to Tennessee to see Bruce Campbell. I mean, he's awesome. fun and he loves his fans. But Sigourney Weaver is a kick-ass lady. And it was very fun seeing her. And I will say the first time I saw this movie, I didn't. I, I felt the ending was satisfying, even though I hated the ending. Like, I hated. I don't like. 
I thought it was earned. I don't love having sad endings to horror movies. Like I like to have someone survive, but the way they did it was very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I was satisfied with it. Well, like it made sense. There's foreshadowing even oh, yeah. in the beginning too, because Marty's rolling his joint and he's talking about how there needs to be a society collapse and someone else needs it. He's like, you guys will see my way of thinking. And then by the end of it, as the audience, you're like, yeah, I, do. I kind of see his way I of do. thinking. So. And you know, Dana disappoints because she almost shoots Marty to like say, and I mean like, you know, she was trying to save everybody, but it's like, is it worth killing your friends over? Like if the, if, if saving the world means murdering people, we also is have, it worth it? It's like with Osmondaeus and Watchmen. It's like all yeah. over again. You have that, mm, the greater good. What is the greater good? So the squid monster that they took out yes. of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then they, Sorry. it was a false flag because it, they blamed it on uh, Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Right? Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. Yep. Which makes more sense with but they the explosion. Did in the limited series. The limited series I didn't, is much I didn't better than that. the movie. Better than I love the movie by Zack Snyder. Uh, oh, oh. I think, it's, vis- I think it's visually beautiful. It is visually beautiful. Yeah. But the, the whole spaceship sex scene playing hallelujah was just hilariously bad (laughs) it was was so bad and i i have a very big crush on that paul paul oh patrick Patrick wilson yeah ever since angels in america but um it's silly i do love the costumes though i do want to go silk specter for halloween i will say this very very quickly and then i know we gotta get back to the movie so i love watchmen and like i was reading the graphic novel when i was like 17 yeah. addicted to it great and the thing what i realized with the movie is so i watched it i loved it but then i had a bunch of friends i saw it with that were like i'm totally lost and it's because i realized there was pieces missing i was oh able, there's yeah i was able to put them together because i've read the book but then yeah. like some i don't know how you like, would understand that if you hadn't read the graphic yeah, novel my friends were like i'm so confused views but, but visually i mean have you not seen the miniseries yet no not yet i do want to and i i, I own the graphic novel i don't know night. where it is though i lost it it's so good i was reading it it's so and then i got yeah. sidetracked oh, so good oh it's i mean it's a, i love watchmen and i the miniseries is so worth watching especially if you read the graphic novel and you watch the movie yeah that's why i was reading the graphic novel i was like I heard that you need to read the graphic novel first before watching you the should. TV show because yeah. it's a straight uh, sequel and it's like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, I better read it. I mean, the latest series is a direct sequel to the graphic novel. It's so I marathoned it overnight. I couldn't stop watching it. Yeah, wow, it's so good. And I do not feel like that about the Zack Snyder one, but I'm not a big Zack Snyder fan, so it's okay. Like he's just a little. We all have our faults. <laughs> yeah like liking Zack Snyder oh anyway oh, movies man. the man I'm sure is fine Cabin in the Woods trying... go neutral. on neutral I'm, I'm the neutral. Cabin in the Woods I'm in between so back to the movie sorry so Cabin hot take. in the Woods hot take Cabin in the... okay so this movie is very I... nihilistic has a very nihilistic ending yes. which I wasn't expecting I was like they're gonna they're gonna figure it out they're gonna stop the organization oh shit they don't they choose to end the world and so the ancient ones rise up and they start attacking the above ground world do you think they actually destroyed the world yes and, uh, and are you satisfied no. with that ending of them destroying the world i don't think they completely did because the titans used to be the ancient ones the titans used to be on world on earth anyways and we somehow made it past like they make a deal with the humans what happened right i think 
there's definitely an apocalyptic situation, but I don't think they destroyed because why would they destroy the whole world if they can't live on it? You know what I mean? Maybe it becomes maybe it's a prequel to Attack on Titan. Yes. It's Which almost, I know. Yes. But maybe it's a good to good us. It is. This is the prequel to Attack on Titan. It's the prequel to Attack on Titan, guys. I've never seen. It's funny. I've never seen. Um, I guess it's this is the end with like Seth Rogen. Is that what the movie's called? Yeah, I've never seen it. But someone said this is the this is the prequel to This Is the End, and now it's like made me really want to see the movie because I'm like, hmm? well, but so. I think it's more of the prequel to Attack on Titan because that's a, which I so I'm like in the middle of it because like, like it's Attack one of those on where Titan. it gets really dark real fast and like just and I'm like yeah I'm gonna take a mental health break for a little while and come back to this one and then i'll come back and watch a little bit more but it's a great show so i will say and you see this a lot on the podcast if you listen to me and katie so anytime um something is nihilistically i'm like yeah it's sad katie's like well no i like to think that this happened and i'm like no this happened so i'm definitely like the nihilistic but this one was this one actually was like earned so I wasn't upset about it. and I will say this was how we discussed the Vavitch the ending because I didn't like that she, I, she well spoilers for the witch but everyone knows like yeah I didn't like that I felt like she was being forced and but then you know looking at women's roles at the time I was like maybe it's better she can live deliciously or she, she can get for her family's murder because you get to thinking you're like well, what would she do she'd go to town and be like witches killed my family like you're the witch and then she get hung so yeah. you know like it's okay for an ending and actually robert eggers does not usually have happy endings for his characters but they're also very earned and so i can deal with a nihilistic ending if it's earned but i hate the ones i like cabin fever I don't feel like the ending of Cabin Fever is very earned. I feel like it's very messy and there's no redeeming characters. And I don't enjoy watching it because they're all assholes. And <laughs> even the guy that survives most of the movie is an asshole because he leaves all his friends. And then, you know, I guess we're supposed to be like, oh, but they all got their comeuppance. But I'm like, but like, I didn't enjoy it. I mean, the only <laughs> good thing is at the end of Hostel when he kills the guy in the toilet. Oh, but, oh. And but I mean, a uh, fun fact for that when he originally stole the guy's daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like definitely even more nihilistic because it's yeah. like, well, there's this innocent child. She didn't do anything. So. But unlike those movies, I like this ending because it's earned. It's explained. Yeah. And, you know, they both discuss their choice. They're like, I mean. Yeah. I wasn't what? mad leaving this movie. I was like, no. Ah. All right. Yeah. It's dark, but whatever. And it's a movie. It's not real life. So it's like, it can it can be dark and sad. You know what and... movie I got pissed off leaving the theater? Who did? Me. Oh, you did? Oh. No, I, I watched one? Hereditary. Oh. You got mad at that? In that I movie, I was it. like, fuck you. <laughs> and I left. I mean, but you know, if you look at it as a metaphor for oh, it's great. mental illness and the struggle to fight your own, like, hereditarily. I, that's what like, I liked about it, too. I was like, there's no struggle. escape. There's no escaping There's it. no escape. They did everything they could right, and yeah. there was still no escaping it. Yeah. So. Except for marrying your patient as a psychiatrist. Maybe that's the real story. Don't marry your patient and then have a family with them. Like, you know, have some professional distance, because mm-hmm. at least one of them would have Actually, all, well, except for poor Ellen. Oh, Ann, oh Annie, Annie. Annie. Ellen's the mom? Yeah, Ellen's Maybe. the mom. You're yeah. right, yeah. But it's a, I, I mean, I love Ari Aster. And then you got, yes. someone pointed out the end of Midsummer. like, is kind of happy, but then they're like, 
but is it is she also in a white supremacist cult and like i was like oh like i love that interpretation of it because if you notice everyone who's like like the most unwhite people in the movie are the people that get killed first. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then like she's the most Aryan looking of all of them. Mm-hmm. And she's the one that is their May Queen and she just mm-hmm. gets and I was like, Oh, it's terrifying. And yeah. plus, like, I'm sorry, creepy white people cults are the scariest cults. They are pretty scary. They're pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, they're terrifying. Like little creepy blonde children sacrificing humans like it's terrifying and it's also a timely message so anyways but this movie that's so funny it's so i mean it's just so creepy like creepy little blonde aryan children that's why like the hitler youth are so frightening oh my god and you know murdering everybody but you know they're also (laughs) very creepy Maybe it's probably that. Maybe I wouldn't feel this way pre World War Two. <sighs> pre World, anyway. Our whole existence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, this movie is like okay, Cabin in the Woods. It's a very dark movie. It's very nihilistic. But is it a Halloween movie? Would you say this uh, is a Halloween movie? Um, I, I mean, I would. I, I think it's an all year round movie. Like yeah. it's a horror movie, and I think it's arguable that all horror movies can be Halloween movies. But because they go swimming in the lake, I definitely equate it more towards this happening during the summertime. Well, but yeah, but if they live like in Alabama or like in Tennessee, okay. Let me rephrase this: Is this fall. a is this a good movie to watch on Halloween? Yes, or leading oh, yeah. up to Halloween. I think so. I would say leading up to Halloween. Yeah. I would say like watch it in September. Oh. October. Spooky season. Not Halloween. Spooky season movie. Halloween itself should be like either Halloween, trick or treat, something that actually takes place. Pumpkin. I love watching. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I always watch Halloween on Halloween. Mm -hmm. Or I try to, you know. Yeah. And of course, we're trick or treat people and Halloween people. We love both movies. So, yes. Yeah. They're both, yeah. I was new to the trick or treat scene, but it is so freaking. I want to say cute, but so many people get murdered. Sam is cute. Uh, and that's what when we did the artwork for that, I drew Sam, and it's one of my favorite artworks I've ever done because he's just so darn cute, and then he kills you. Yeah, I just love him, but he has rules. I will say this really quickly. Um, so we have an animatronic Sam because that was still when we got our house. I was like, I'm getting Sam this year. And last year, so many kids were like, is that Sam? Like, 10 oh, girls. he's gotten popular. And I was like, oh, the tradition continues, I yeah. see. So, the youngins. I know, I'm the only house on my block last year that decorated for Halloween. I still had children come. Really? But, like, they they were, like, drawn in by the lights. I felt like the creepy witch in Hansel and Gretel. Because, like, we saw your house three streets over. We had to come get the candy. It was candy. the last house was, like, on the left. I was like, or like, come little. Ch-. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I, no, but I gave them a lot of candy because they made the journey. Really, that's cool. So I'm glad that you watch Halloween on Halloween. On Halloween. It's the or best Halloween, Halloween movie. Or Halloween three. I like one. I like two. Oh, oh, I do love Halloween three. Is so seasonal. I yeah. know. So like it even has Michael Myers in it. It does, Halloween just briefly. And it's got the <laughs> happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Yeah, the shamrock. Silver shamrock. You yeah. can buy those masks on Amazon, by the way. Michael Myers mask? No, and, the, no silver, silver shamrock. shamrock ones. Oh, okay. I didn't they know They used that. to sell. I don't know if you still can, but at some point, my ex-boyfriend, we, me and my friend Elizabeth made him watch that movie with us, and he was terrified of the silver shamrock song. 
and the masks. I don't know why. He's also terrified of dolls. So I, I do understand that. Which I mean, they can be terrifying. But um, like I would sing that. I would get stuck in my head, so I'd sing it and be like, "Oh my god, stop singing it!" I was like. It's a movie, bud. It's not gonna come get you. Like, it's not really gonna do that. But, you got spooked or easily. Isn't it? I don't know. I watch so many movies, it's hard to get under my skin at this point. So when something really does get under my skin, like, I really I do have love a it. very quick, funny uh, scare story pertaining. So my, um, my husband's cousin was, like, eight at the time. And this was, like, maybe eight years ago. Oh, yeah. But he stayed the night with us. And the whole night he was crying. And so, you know, I'm an adult. He's a child. I'm like, do you want us to call your mom? He's like, no, I'm fine. I was like, are you sh- are you sure you don't want me to call your mom? And I was like, you want to come lay in our room with us? And he did it. He kept, like, crying. But he was insistent that we didn't call his mom. I'm like, okay, we're going to tough it out. So how about a couple of days later, I'm talking to his mom. And I didn't think twice about it, but there was a Raggedy Ann doll in our spare bedroom, and he was so scared of it. Oh, my God. It was making him cry. That was the one that scared my ex because he saw Chucky when he was, like, way too young. And my grandmother handmade me and my sister Raggedy Ann and Andy dolls. And so they were sitting, like, up on a shelf in my bedroom because, like, it's it's one, like, I'll never get rid of because it was handmade for me. And he just like hated that thing. He's like, it's demon. I was like, it's been sitting in my room since I was a literal infant. It hasn't killed me yet. I don't think it's going to kill in me. In retrospect, you know, though, we know the real Annabelle is a raggedy andal. She is. The real Annabelle is a raggedy andal, but she's really big. She's a big one. She is. She's terrifying. So, Cabin in the Woods, let's yes, close the yes. show. So, I have one last question Would you recommend yes. the Cabin in the Woods to a friend? Absolutely. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say absolutely. And I was like, that, say it. That's kind of it, it, but edited. So uh, oh, yeah, I say yeah, that word all the time. Absolutely. We say a lot of curse words on our podcast. And I'm like, I did not ask. <laughs> so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it's horrible. We are talking well. about a rated R movie, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should hope you have heard the words in this movie before you listen to a review of it. Would you recommend this movie? Yeah. I would to a seasoned horror movie fan. If you're a fan of horror movies, this is a must watch because it's like, like I said earlier, it's a wink and a nod to like the slasher genre. And this movie is just masterfully done. Like there's so much care and love going into this film. It's like, I don't know. It's like, it's a love letter to the whole genre. And I think if you're into horror movies, this is a, this is a must see. You know, it might also get you to be into horror movies if you're like, what was this monster? What movie was this from? I want to see this. What is this from? It's a gateway you're drug. you're curious folk. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it's like, it's scary, but not too scary. Yeah. It's perfect. It's not even like that. There's not even that much nudity in it, really. Like, there's barely any. No, there's like one scene. Obligator- but I mean, obligatory Ted shot. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, it's... There's some breast assist, but you There's know. Some, I mean, they're yeah. natural. It's fine. It just reminds me of the time I saw Titanic with my mom when I was like eight. And I covered my eyes when Jack Aww. is drawing Rose. And mom goes, don't act like you have never seen breasts before. And I still, like, to this day, like. Well, but that. also, they put the context that, like, they're kind of pushing them in a direction. So I feel like the, the context hand. of the movie yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I touched that car, by the way. <laughs> they they were touring all the props and set pieces from Titanic. 
and they were at King's Island in Cincinnati. And I was like a feverish Leonardo DiCaprio stand to Titanic stand. And so we went on the little tour and we got to the car and I like touched it. No alarms went off. Like they didn't, they told us not to touch the car, but I poked it. Katie's like, I'm just touched the set. I mean, I was an adorable little 12 girl. They weren't going to throw me out. And then like, I mean, it was, it was, ooh. But then also the last room was the heart of the ocean room. And it was just the heart of the ocean. One of those like, those like glass, like those plastic stands for like jewelry, like display cases. But they had on all four walls projecting the music video to my heart will go on oh my god like on a loop and so you went it was like you're here and i was like oh my god like it was too oh it was a little over the top but you know what that's one of those movies it was like so huge that we like feverish i remember the kids choice award that year and oh like for god. nickelodeon and they just brought out this freaking titanic hole and Celine Dion's like on the titanic hole like singing the song and i was yeah. like a kid i was like this is wicked like everyone liked cool. it i mean it was it was it's still it's still a good movie, it's still a good movie. although i feel that. like this movie holds up better than titanic because titanic you watch it now solo cg is kind of uh it's mm-hmm. very long it's a long it was two vhs tapes guys yes it, it was. was two vhs tapes yes it was i remember <laughs> oh, it's during like what the the in the office like oh we hit something yeah yeah story continues like, on oh, tape two tape. <laughs> i yes. remember being infuriated as a child watching that movie because she goes i'll never let go jack and she kisses his hand as she lets him go and as a kid i was like that upset me deeply yeah. that's when i cried but we I all saw like... the sequel right because he takes revenge upon jack him. goes into the ocean and then he wakes up on a beach in inception Oh, oh yeah, but it oh, no. can't be a dream because the spinny tops fell. All movies. I finally are got it. Oh well, also the oh, ending, does it not fall in the any of the inception? So his his totem is his wedding ring, and the top was his wife's totem. The spin top was his wife's totem. So, oh yeah. It's so, so oh, this yeah. is this is it's a good movie. I, it's just a lot. I watch too many movies people are like is that possible i'm yeah. like yeah it really is it's okay though <laughs> we all watch too it's many okay. movies just say it's for the podcast and just lie it's fine are you guys ready to close this out sure let's do it but that's it for this time on syndicate we hope you enjoyed yourself we've been talking about the cabin in the woods please check it out where it is available and before we sign off thank you so much Brittany. thank you so much katie for coming on to the show where can our listeners find your podcast Anywhere you want to listen to podcasts, it's the Grindhouse Girls podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere, basically. And you can find us also on Instagram. That's where we're most active if you want to hit us up. That's right. And what's the handle? Oh, Grindhouse Girls Pods. So sorry. So sorry. Grindhouse Girls. Grindhouse Girls. It's it's pretty easy. It's a treasure. It's a little... It's, Go on a treasure hunt. See if you can find us, guys. I mean, come on. Yes, Grindhouse Girls Pod. Yes. Awesome. Potter Podcast. I think it is Pod. pod. I think it's Pod. It's Pod. I was about to say, I was like, and now I'm double thinking myself. It was shorter. So it's just Pod. (laughs) Yes, just Pod. And all I I keep thinking is Podrick. Podrick Payne. What? Um, Game of Thrones. Okay. Podrick. Sweet Pod. Oh, sweet Pod. 
But if you'd like to keep the Cabin on the Woods conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That's Syndicate on Instagram and Letterboxd. Or join the Discord server where you can catch myself along with other podcasters and listeners talking about this film and others at Syndicate.com forward slash Discord. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.